Welcome to Strategy Saturday. I'm Charles Crillo, and today we're going to be discussing tips for new landlords. So I've been a landlord since 2006. I self-managed my own properties for six years prior to hiring a professional third-party management company, and there are a few tips I want to share with new aspiring landlords. Uh, number one, this is for renters and landlords. Be aware of leasing scams when renting properties and make sure to watermark images. And if you're posting the rental on Craigslist, avoid putting the exact street address in the listing. Now, this is really important um, because a lot of scammers out there will try to impersonate you by stealing all the information from your listing and then find someone that will send them a deposit uh, and or first and last months of rents and all that stuff. And you can avoid the whole issue if you make it a little harder for them to copy it. Now, if you're renting an apartment and it's from the supposed owner, verify where you're writing the check is uh, the person or the entity that is on record of owning the property. And if not, you know, ask for more documentation. At that point, you probably can weed out most people. They'll go to an easier target. Number two, be cautious of large upfront, usually cash payments. Now, I know this is really difficult when a tenant shows up, they want to rent it, they have all these months of uh, money upfront and security deposit, all this stuff that you want um, upfront, and you're kind of really pushed to wanting to rent to them. You've got a mortgage payment that's due, uh, the apartment's been vacant for a little bit, but don't do it. And, you know, why are they doing this? There's usually a trade-off. And now I personally have offered to landlords to prepay a year of rent myself for one free month. But in most situations, uh, these are scams. And usually you cannot verify their credit, criminal record, or employment. And make sure every prospective tenant formally applies and goes through a credit and background check. Now, I, if you have every person, no matter how they're going to pay, uh, go through a credit and background check, and they pay you the application fee, the chances are that uh, someone is going to go through that if they know there's something that's going to uh, pop up is rare. Now, I've had some people go through and lie on the application, and then you know a felony comes up, and uh, they didn't think you were going to find it or something like this. But main, mainly, if you can go through, you can verify the employment, you can verify income, you can verify you know credit and background, that is your number one thing that you can do to make sure there's no issues. If you do all that, you probably won't have the issue of someone waving a bunch of money in your face because they're not going to want to go through the whole process because they know they won't be approved. And that's one thing about asking for application fees. You can also ask for an application fee and then ask for a refundable deposit on top of it. If your application fee is $50, ask them for uh, a refundable deposit of $50. If they don't get the apartment, They'll get $50 back. They won't get the application feedback. But it shows they have more skin in the game. And I had one management company that did that. And I think it's a, I think it's a great way of, uh, of renting out properties. Next is always have a written lease that your attorney has previously reviewed and always have important communications written and documented when in doubt. Uh, send them certified. And this would include a non-renewal letter, a renewal with rent increase, a noise complaint, etc. It is crazy how many people rent apartments with a boilerplate lease that they downloaded off the internet or off of some social media site or something like this, or or with no lease at all. And you must enforce anything that you put in writing, or it could create a precedent that someone in the lease is not something in the lease is not enforced and then not required, like paying on time or paying late fees. If you don't charge late fees, then it's something like, well, that's not really a thing because you've never enforced it. So when I'm getting evicted months on the road, uh, you can't, uh, you're not, you can't add that into fees that are owed. Now, when I used to rent properties, I used to 
create a cover sheet that you provide it to the tenant when you presented the lease to them and walk them through the cover sheet. So I can go through a couple of things now um, on what is in that cover sheet. So usually what I would do is I would say it, it's like a two page. It would I call it the move in checklist, tenant checklist. And I wrote this all myself and it was like, you know, I would have them um, initial each page of the leash lease. I would have them uh, sign and date the last page of the lease and they cl- include payment for the first month's rent and security deposit in the form of a money order cashier's check or back then I used to take cash. I'm just reading it all verbatim here of what I had. Uh, clear photocopy of ID for each resident 18 years of age or older, and then contact utility companies at least one week before moving in to have your services turned on. Now, this is very important because uh, keys are not provided until this is completed. I put that in big, bold letters, and that's really important um, because you want to make sure all that is taken care of before you hand over keys. And if you see when I'm accepting payment for first months and security deposit, it is there's no check, right? It is a money. It is a payment that has been guaranteed payment on. Um, so... I have I would list my utility uh, utility providers for the electricity, the natural gas. Um, you know, I have a little note there. It says tenants must contact our office prior to the installation of satellite dishes. I have contact uh, numbers there for any maintenance issues. They would call one number. Uh, any payment or rent issues, uh, they would call me. And then I have a way for them paying rent. It would be a peel box. Um, back then I did, when I self-managed, I did pick up cash, not what I would really suggest. Um, but at that point I would have them call me and we'd set up a time to pay in cash. Um, late fees and evictions, I'd always have a space there and I would uh, tell them your late fee is blank for rent paid after 5 PM in Connecticut. It was on the 10th of the month. Uh, in other States, it might be the first, it might be the third, whatever it is. And I would remain, I would write in there with a, uh, with a with a pen or a marker or something like this, so they could see it. It uh, and it wasn't in black; it'd be in blue or red or something like this, so they could see exactly what the amount was, and it would pull ta- attention to it. That hey, you got to pay on time. Um, I'll tell them about uh, anything else going on with the property, uh, any type of snow, uh, what you do during snow ban, stuff like this, stuff that we had to do up north. Um, I talked to them about the basements and storage areas. That uh, this is completely, you know. They can put some stuff down there, but it's all at their own risk. I tell them about the trash pickup day, and I tell them if they have any issues to uh, contact us, and we'll respond within 24 hours. And that was the whole uh, tenant checklist cover sheet that I used to send out. And the reason for that is because most tenants don't read the lease. So to instead of hoping and praying that there's never an issue, I'd rather go through what I would consider to be the most important parts of the lease. Because as a landlord, we're looking for um, we're looking for people that are going to maintain the property and they're going to be friendly to their neighbors and they're going to pay the rent on time. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And so if I can outline that, uh, what you need to move in, very straightforward. They're not going to look through a 15-page lease and try to figure that out. Uh, and I give them the amounts of what they need. Everything's very straightforward. And I run into departments too and they don't do this. And it's kind of silly. Make it as easy as possible. You have an, you have um, a tenant that you vet it. You want them living in your apartment. You, you want to rent the apartment. Uh, make it as easy as possible for them to move in. And writing up a little checklist, a little cover sheet that you can add to the lease when they say, hey, you've been approved, here's the lease, and you can email to them um, or what happens. Is, and, and I like go through the cover sheet with them. They can read the lease. You're not going to sit there and go through the lease with them. You're not their attorney. But the thing, though, is the cover sheet goes through everything that's most important, which is uh, you know, utilities switched over, what they need to move in, and um, 
what happens with the late fee, if there's issues, you call for it, and all the kind of stuff that happens. Whatever your process is, you want to train them to get into the mode of it. And now what I used to do is I did uh, used to give one free late fee when I managed myself. And after that, I wouldn't do it. Um, if I do it again, I probably wouldn't do that. But um, I, had a, I had a really good relationship with a lot of tenants and in in professionally. So it was something that did work. And you give one like kind of, you know, they have a late payment here. You work with them, but you have to make sure that you're stern on it, that this is a one-time thing. And some people that went, you know, went to have a second late fee down the road, um, you have to start enforcing it. Uh, next is never have your tenants do work at the property for a rental discount. Now, you vetted them as a good tenant when they moved in. You didn't vent them as a contractor. Unless they are a superintendent, do not make any deals with them for discounts on rent or doing work around the property. Keep everything separate. And I have this ha happen many times when I self-manage properties. Um, you know, you, you have a female tenant and her father is going to, you know, paint something, uh, somebody wants to paint a back hallway one time for rent discount and, or a boyfriend or something like this, or, um, you know, my first tenants, uh, I would say, Hey, you're handling part of the snow or something like this. Well, oddly enough, those tenants were never home when it snowed. Uh, so the thing though, is that it's just easier to say, listen, nothing, you don't have to do any work at the property. If there's an issue, you call us. And don't make any type of rent concessions or anything like that uh, because someone's going to be doing work. And you also don't know what kind of work they're doing. Most people, you know, they can put in a new doorknob or something like this. But you don't want people, you know, doing trim work and stuff like this at your property. Um, have separate bank accounts. You know, you should have one operating account. Um, you should have one for security deposits and you should have one for reserves. Now, when I owned and self-managed smaller properties, the property would be owned in one LLC then would have a management LLC that I set up. And under the management LLC, I would have an operating checking account that was swept at the end of the month. So you don't really keep any money in that account uh, at the end of the month. And then I would have another account uh, under the management LLC that was just for security deposits. That could be like a, you know, a checking account, it could be a savings account, whatever it is. And I would keep a savings account under another corporation that is where I kept my reserve funds at. So you don't really keep any cash in the property accounts other than the security deposits because they're not really your money. Uh, I would just kind of sweep uh, that money at the end of the month from the operating account and anything left over. You know, you can put, I would put into a uh, savings account that was outside of the property and I can use that for any other properties too. So you don't have to have a, a reserve savings account for every property. Now, if you're dealing with, you have a, you know, 30 unit apartment building, you probably keep a savings account uh, under, you know, your, your LLC where you're going to put money in every month so that, hey, when that roof is required or boilers are required, whatever it is, you can move that money over. But for smaller landlords, um, I put it into, you know, I'd have one savings account that would be for all work or, you know, reserves for anything that happened with any of the properties. And you can pull money from that, but you can also put money into that every month. And the management company has most of the legal exposure. So you want to make sure that you keep none of your own funds in that after the month is done, okay? If someone's having an issue with something, uh, they'll prob they might put the property LLC in to some sort of legal proceeding, but they're also gonna put who they have the agreement with, the lease with, and that's gonna be your operating company. And if there's not really any funds in that, yes, you'll have your security deposit funds in there, but um, those aren't really your funds. So I think it would be kind of hard for a, uh, for a judge to say that you have to give over someone else's money to some sort of lawsuit or something like this. I'm not an attorney. Always verify with an attorney before you do anything, but um, that should be part of your plan when you're setting it up. Uh, next is always be professional with your tenants, but do not be friends with them or become involved. Um, even if you live at the same property, you know, limit text messages, no social media contact, 
no social meetups, don't socialize when seeing them face to face, be nice and caring and then move it along. You know, don't stand in the apartment or the hall for an extended period of time talking about non-property issues. Um, if there's an issue, I always would just act that I was in a rush and say, yeah, sure, we'll take care of that. You know, give us a few days on that. Because um, you, you want to make sure that uh, in a, you want to explain it to them because there'd be a lot of people that um, they want some sort of something special for the property, right? Hey, um, you know, I've been here for two years. I want to pay the, you know, I want to get this room painted. Fine, you know, we can paint that room for you. That's not a problem. I can send someone in to do it. And then he comes back that, hey, you know, my rent's going to be late next time. Well, that's not how it works. I mean, it's, I'm doing something for you. I'm providing anything that's broken. I'm fixing. I'm taking care of any issues, uh, any type of maintenance I'm handling. And your, you know, your job in this whole thing is to pay rent on time. And you really have to make that uh, known. And you have to do it from the beginning. It's very hard to to train or retrain tenants after they've moved in. And it's, you know, you got to really tell them that it's your firm, but you're fair. And however, it's everybody has their own way of doing it, but uh, you'll find your rhythm once you start with it and you'll start learning the landlord business uh, inside and out. So I hope you enjoyed. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, submit comments and potential show topics at globalinvestorspodcast.com. Look forward to two more episodes next week. See you then. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.